go ahead and take a seat here this evening. Welcome to our Christmas Eve worship experience. It's great to have all of you with us tonight. I'm Gilbert. I'm the uh, lead pastor here at Exponential. That was Bill, our worship pastor. And can we give our team a, a big hand? They've been putting in a lot of hard work. Getting ready for you guys to be here with us this evening. Hey, there's a couple things you need to know about me. The first thing is this. I love to sing. I mean, I absolutely love to sing. Here's the second thing you need to know, though. I'm a terrible singer. I'm what's, what's considered a backup singer. You know, when I sing, people like back up. It's like, whoa, dude, stop. You know, don't, don't do any more. It's, it's terrible. Some of you may have wondered, why does Exponential always have the music volume so loud? It's actually very intentional, and this is a true story. This isn't a joke. It's so loud so that people like me who can't sing can sing as loud as what we want, and the person sitting next to us can't actually hear what's going on. So, uh, you know, keeping it loud in here is one thing, but at home, my wife, Lisa, doesn't appreciate it quite as much, keeping it nice and loud. Here's something else you need to understand about me. I actually sing better when I sing in falsetto. You know what I'm talking about? When a guy like, oh, right? that, that type of thing. Which means that the favorite songs of mine to sing are Mariah Carey and Whitney Houston and Adele, you know. And I, we're always love. See, and I, I, just, I can't do it, right? Yeah. I, I just, I can't do it, but I love to try. And so when those songs come on the radio, she just looks at me like, no, don't you dare, right? Because she knows what's about to come, because I will give it a try, right? I'm surprised they even tried it for you guys. But uh, like in front of her, I'm not embarrassed about anything, right? And so I just like just ripping and roaring, and then the, the, the notes are all over the place. So guess what my favorite Christmas song is? It's the one that has the greatest range to it with the highest notes. Actually, Rich, I think, just said it. Oh, Holy Night. I love that song. It's like just, I mean, just, man, when, when it's done right, it gives you goosebumps. You know what I'm saying? It's an amazing, amazing song. Here's the other reason I love it. It's very scripturally based. It's very scripturally based. It, it, in essence, tells the Christmas story. And so what I want to do tonight is I want to go through the song with you, or at least parts of the song, share with you a little bit of the scriptures that it's based off of as we remember what this Christmas night is all about. So it starts out this way, and again, I'm a terrible singer, but it starts out this way, right? Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining, it is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Thank you for helping out. I appreciate it. Give yourselves a big hand here for helping me out, not leaving me hanging up here. Now, there was a, a man that lived during Jesus' time. His name was Luke. He was a doctor by trade. He was also a historian. And he had become a follower of Jesus, and he wants to uh, let his friends know about Jesus. And so he decides to take his, his sort of historical perspective and to investigate all of the life of Jesus from his birth, his ministry, his death, his burial, his resurrection. He wanted to interview as many eyewitnesses as he possibly could to see, is this story everything that we are claiming that it is? So he went and he interviewed all these different people. And he wanted to know about what had happened throughout his life. And then he wrote it all down. Now, we call it the Gospel of Luke today. And so in Luke chapter 2, verse 8, Luke writes about the night of Jesus' birth. And he says this, That night in the fields near Bethlehem, some who? What's it say? Some, some shepherds were guarding their sheep. Now, obviously, Mary and Joseph and Jesus, they're the main sort of characters of this. But on the night of Jesus' birth, the supporting cast were shepherds. 
Now later on in the uh, song, the, the lyrics go like this. Oh, hear the angel voices. Luke writes that what happened was that night, an angel appeared to these shepherds. But then something else happens. In Luke chapter 2, verse 8, he says, that night in the fields near Bethlehem, uh, actually, that's one I already read to you, uh, Luke 2, 13 to 14. He says, suddenly many other angels came down from heaven and joined in praising God, and they said, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace among those whom he is pleased. This is absolutely amazing that the very first people that God, who Jesus, Jesus is God in the flesh, the very first people that he appears to on the earth are these shepherds. And the reason that that's so amazing is that being a shepherd was considered the absolute worst job that you could possibly have. It was the lowest of the low jobs, which is good news for you and I. Because since the shepherds were the first ones to hear about it and the first ones to accept this good news, it should bring hope for us. Because I don't see anybody famous here or anything. Don't we all just sometimes feel like, man, I'm just an ordinary, everyday, average person. Man, I, I mess up. I haven't been perfect. What would God want to do with me? But yet Luke says, the very first people he showed up to were these shepherds. Again, that should give us hope. And the lyrics of the song continue on with that, right? They talk about a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. And that's what Christmas is all about. It's hope for you and hope for me. Exactly why do we need hope? Well, the song talks about it at the very beginning. Long lay the world in sin and error pining. Exactly what is it that we were pining for? We are pining for an answer to our sinfulness. Another one of the followers of Jesus was a guy by the name of Paul. And Paul became one of the most famous Christians of all time. But maybe you don't know that before he became Paul, his name was Saul. And Saul hated Christians. Saul persecuted Christians. In fact, Saul actually murdered Christians. But then he met the resurrected Jesus one day. And seeing Jesus alive, after he had been dead and buried, and he was crucified. He sees him alive, and it changes Paul's life. And he becomes, again, the, the greatest Christian, in my opinion, that there ever was. He writes 13 of the 27 books in the New Testament. And at one point, he says this, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In other words, all of us have messed up. None of us have been perfect, right? Right? Would anybody want to make a claim of being perfect here this evening? No, of course not. Now, a lot of people go, well, but I haven't been that bad. Scripture makes it actually pretty clear that we're all actually pretty bad. Again, Paul says we've all uh, sinned and, and fallen short of the glory of God. And Scripture makes it clear that to get to heaven, to get back in a right relationship with God, we would have to be perfect. Again, none of us have been perfect. Now, I got to thinking about it one, day, one time. Even if you were near perfect, you only sinned three times a day, that's still 21 sins in a week. That's 1,000 sins in a year. The average person's living now to be, what, 72, 73 years old. That'd be 72 to 73,000 sins that you have committed. Do you still feel so good anymore? 
when you have messed up, you've gone against God, 72,000, 73,000, and that's if you're like really good. That's almost like being angelic. And so that's what we were pining for. We were pining for hope. We were pining for this answer to our sin. See, sin separates us so much from God that there's no way that we can make up the debt that we owe to him. That's why another one of the eyewitnesses eyewitnesses of Jesus, uh, one of his biographers, a guy by the name of Matthew, who was one of his disciples, writes this in Matthew chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. He's talking about the night that Joseph finds out that Mary is pregnant, and he says, an angel from the Lord came to Joseph in a dream. The angel said, Joseph, the baby that Mary will have is from the Holy Spirit. Go ahead and marry her. Then after her baby is born, name him Jesus, because he will do what? He will save people from what? From their sins. That's the good news that we're celebrating tonight, is that God himself loved you and I so much that he came to this earth. He was born in a ba- the form of a baby, but Jesus didn't remain a baby. He grew up and he lived the perfect and sinless life that you and I could never live. And then he died on the cross in payment for our sin so that we might be forgiven, so that we could ultimately have eternal life with God forever. So again, the song says, long lay the world in sin and error pining, but then it continues on. Till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. Isn't that what we all want? We want to feel worth in our soul, that we're worthy of going to heaven, even despite our imperfections. And that's what Jesus does for us. He came to save us from our sins and our errors. He came to forgive all of our failures. He came to change how we think and how we act. He came to change how we think about ourselves even. He came to give us hope and that sense of worth. And so Paul writes this in Romans chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. With the arrival of Jesus the Messiah, that fateful dilemma of how to deal with our sin is resolved. Those who enter into Christ being here for us no longer have to live under a continuous, low-lying black cloud. A new power is in operation. The spirit of life in Christ, like a strong wind, has magnificently cleared the air, freeing you from a faded lifetime of brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and death. Now, who is it that gets that invitation of new life? Who is it that God is pleased with? Well, again, notice that the very first people that get this invitation weren't kings, weren't priests, weren't prophets. Nobody of prominence of any sort got this invitation. Who got the invitation? The shepherds got the invitation. These people that were considered the lowest of the low. Why? Because God wanted to communicate to you and I that it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done here. He wants to have a relationship with you. And he's inviting you into this new life. So the last people that you would have ever expected to get an invitation to the birth of Jesus. Turns out they were the only ones that got an invitation to the birth of Jesus. Why is that important? Well, it's because God isn't impressed by what the world thinks is important. Now to illustrate this, let's sing another song and we're going to do this one together. Because I'm not doing this whole one by myself. And I guarantee you we are the only church probably in the whole world that's going to sing this song tonight. Ready? You know it by heart. Oh, you better watch out. You better not cry. You better not shout. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. What's he doing? 
He's making a list, checking it twice. Gonna find out who's naughty and nice. Santa Claus is coming to town. Where does he see you? He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been what? Bad or good. For goodness sake. Oh, you better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. What's the message of that song? What, what's the message there? It's that you better watch out. That Santa is watching us, right? God is watching us too, Ryan. You're right. Hey, didn't he do a fantastic job? Did you know he, he did that by memory tonight when he did that scripture? So don't give me your reasons for not being able to like read scripture, you know, much like, uh, <laughs> he's what, what are you, Ryan, six? Seven. All right. I was eight when I, or I should have been eight when I was your age, but I was sick for a whole year and they held, they held me back. So anyway, uh, anyway, what, what's the message of this song? It's that if you do good, you will be rewarded. If you do bad, then you're going to get punished. You know who else teaches that message? Every other world religion. All other world religions say, look, if you want to be right with God, you better be good because he is watching out for you. He's watching, and he's going to punish you if you've done anything bad. So you better be good for goodness sake. Christianity is the only one that's different. Christianity is the only one that says you could never, ever, ever do enough to make yourself right with God. That it's about what Jesus already did for you on the cross. That's how you're forgiven. That's how you're saved. The world says Santa's coming, so you better be good. Christians say Jesus has already come and he sets you free. That's good news. It's a whole difference, and I've said this before, the difference between the words do and done. Every other world religion says, here's what you need to do in order to be right with God. Christianity says you can never, ever do enough. It's about what's already been done for you, that Jesus lived that perfect and sinless life. Jesus died on the cross so that your sin might be forgiven. And so I don't care who you are or what you've done. I don't care if you stink just as much as those shepherds did the night that they went in to see Jesus. Jesus is inviting you into the significance of what his birth represents here this evening. You see, the same baby that was born in a barnyard can do his same work in your life, no matter where you're at, in a bar, in a bedroom, in a boardroom, or in a brothel. It doesn't matter. There is no place that's too taboo for him. No person is too sinful. There's no distance that he would not travel for you. There is no limit to his love. And tonight, he wants to forgive you. And he wants to give you the hope, the hope of not just a better life right here and right now, but the hope of eternal life with him in heaven forever. You might ask, well, exactly how do I do that? Well, I'll end tonight with a story, some more of the lyrics, and then a scripture. If you go to Bethlehem, the, the real city of Bethlehem tonight over in Israel, 
you could visit what's called the Church of the Nativity. And this is where it's speculated the cave, because we call it a stable, but it would have been a cave, which is where Jesus would have been born in. And what they've done is they've they've built a, a giant church on top of that site. And so when you walk into the church, it's a very traditional, very Catholic-type-looking cathedral type of thing. And so you can go in there, and and you can worship and stuff, but then there is a part of the building that you can go back to where the actual, uh, the the manger scene would have been, that that cave, that first nativity. But what they've done is they've they've built a, a, a doorway to the entrance to it. And you're allowed to actually go into it. There's one stipulation, though. You see, they've built the door only about chest high. And so the only way you can enter into the place where Jesus came into the world is you have to bow down. And if your back is bad, there's another way you can get in. That's the fall. Fall on your knees. Oh, hear the angel voices. Oh, night divine the night that Christ was born. The Apostle Paul says this in Romans 10, 9 to 10, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's it. You're not doing anything. You're simply calling out to God, trusting him to do it for you. That's salvation. July 27th of 93, I was in my early 20s, and I was a sinner, a pretty bad one. And I heard a very similar message to what you heard tonight, that you can't be perfect, that you can never repay your sin debt to God, that it's only when you humble yourself and get down before him and confess your sin to him that he'll forgive you. And here's the hope that we have John, another one of Jesus' disciples, he at one point says, if you'll confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all of your unrighteousness. What does that mean? It means he wipes the slate clean. He gives you a fresh start and a brand new life. Join me in prayer here this evening. Father, we thank you for sending your one and only son, Jesus, into this world so that we might be forgiven. Jesus, thank you that you saved me many, many years ago, and you want to do that same thing here this evening for many people. You said that today is the day of salvation and that your desire is that none should perish, that you want to spend eternity with us and that you give us salvation as an absolutely free gift if we're just willing to receive it. But you don't force yourself on us. You just say, here's the gift. Take it or leave it. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed here this evening, if you have never prayed and asked Jesus to forgive you of your sin, to to come into your life, to to forgive you and, and to lead you and guide you and direct you, if you want that brand new life, that fresh start that I was talking about, again, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you just to put your hand up nice and high so I recognize it, and then you can put it right back down. Ready? Here we go. On the count of three. One, two, three. Hands up right now. Anybody? Yes. Oh, man. Hands going up. Down here, sir. Back here, ma'am. Thank you. In the middle here, sir. Back there, sir. I see that hand. Thank you. 
Uh, Ma'am, in the middle, thank you. You can put your hand down. Anybody else? Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. I need your forgiveness. I need the hope that you give. Anyone else? Yes, sir. Thank you. Anybody else? I'm going to ask everybody just to pray this prayer with me out loud. Dear Jesus, Thank you for being born into this world and living a perfect and sinless life so that I could be forgiven. I admit I haven't been perfect and I need you. I'm tired of trying to do things for you. I'm just going to submit my life to you. It's not about me. It's all about you. Cleanse me. Make me new. Make me whole. Give me a fresh start and a brand new life. And now, since you gave your body up for me, I'm now going to give my life back to you. I'm going to serve you. your spirit lives inside of those who have trusted in you for salvation. So Lord, help us to listen to the voice of your spirit each and every moment of our lives. And every day to wake up and say, God, I'll do whatever it is you want me to do. I'll say whatever it is you want me to say. I'll give whatever it is you want me to give. I'll serve whoever it is you want me to serve. I'll go where you want me to go. Lord, we do those things not because we're trying to be saved. We do them out of gratitude that we are saved in humble recognition that you paid it all for us on the cross. And so we thank you again for what this night signifies, a holy night there in Bethlehem.